radio for the Agile community. www.agile.fm Thank you for tuning in to another episode with Agile FM. Today I have a person with me. I'm thrilled, honored, an icon in the Agile community. And uh, I came across his name in my research to a business agility. And uh, and it's obviously a, a person I, I want to talk to. And, uh, and I think everybody should uh, have an opportunity to listen uh, to him because he is probably, and I'm saying probably, and we're going to clarify that here in a second, the reason why this episode is called Agile FM, uh, why there is a word Agile in front of it, and um, he's the author of two books, uh, Responsibility, that was released in March 2001, that is an important date, uh, and Value Propositioning in 2005. He wrote numerous articles and he can be reached on parship.com. You know, who am I talking to? This is Rick Dove. Welcome to the podcast, Rick. Hi. Nice to be here. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm honored to have you on this uh, uh, podcast because, um, Rick, I think what we have to do here to listeners on Agile FM, uh, you are, and I think I want to go there right, right off the bat here with you, is you're probably the reason why the Agile community maybe the wrong agile in the first place in 2001. Um, there was a project you were involved in in 91. Can you just give us a little of context and possibly clarify how this all started? Because that is 10 years before the Agile Manifesto was written. Right. Uh, okay. And uh, in the late 80s, I was uh, very instrumental in an organization called the National Center for Manufacturing Sciences, which was a major consortia activity in the U.S. Uh, in, the, in the course of uh, a number of things that happened at the National Center for Manufacturing Science, somebody from the Office of the Secretary of Defense became aware of uh, the kinds of concepts I was promoting as strategic director of the group for one of the years that I was there. Uh, and asked me on the side if I would be interested in uh, running a project that was going to focus on what comes after lean. Okay, this was the Office of the Secretary of Defense. It was 1990. Uh, the world was scrambling to catch up with the Japanese, trying to figure out how do you take an Eastern concept and move it into a Western culture. Right. And his, his uh, concept was, okay, so everybody's scrambling. Why don't we get a small group of people to try and figure out what's going to happen next so that we can, in fact, prepare for the next phase mm -hmm. instead of just trying to catch up in this phase. Long story short, uh, I made the suggestion that when the question was, where do we do this, uh, that Lehigh University might be an appropriate place to do it based on uh, some introductory activity I had had with a a certain Roger Nagel, who was at the University, uh, Lehigh University. Uh, again, long story short, the two of us ended up as co-PIs on a project funded by OSD for a million dollars. Back in those days, that was a lot of money, run through the Navy uh, as the funding channel. Mm. And between Roger and I, we collectively corralled Representatives from 13 major, well, anyway, I don't want to say 
Most of them were major organizations. We also had a small business involved in there. Uh, representatives from 13 organizations that were intending to spend the entire summer of 1991 with us, five days a week in workshop, trying to figure out what comes next after me. Mm -hmm. Well, okay, with three months to go uh, on that, uh, you might understand that the first half of that, a good month and a half was spent with everybody venting, trying to get the stuff off their chest that they came to say, right. regardless of what the intent of the workshop was. When that was, when that was over with, what people finally agreed on was that things were changing so fast that their companies couldn't keep up. Mm. Markets were fickle. Uh, they would tell you what they wanted and you would work on it. And then they in fact would buy something else from somebody who never asked what they wanted, but in fact figured out what they should want. Yeah. Uh, those kinds of things were happening. Uh, a number of them said, you know, my, my uh, competitors built a brand new factory here in the last year. Our factory is 15 years old. We don't have ROI back on our factory yet. We can't gut it and, and rebuild it. We have to keep running it, but our competitors now have newer technology in their factories and they're doing better than us. And so, uh, again, a long story short, uh, everybody had stories of why their organizations were just unable to keep up with a vast number of different kinds of changes that were happening, both in technology, in markets, in competition, uh, in engineering processes, on and on and on. Uh, in in uh, trying to wrap our arms around that, from a from a phraseology or from a noun point of view, uh, I can remember when Roger and I were taking uh, the train down from Pennsylvania and to Washington to meet with our program manager, and I read an ad in a magazine that talked about an agile machine tool, and I thought, "There's a word." <laughs> uh, and and uh, we appropriated the word from. You know, I mean, you always put, words are words. You know, they're all appropriated. Uh, but the trigger for me was to see it in an ad about an agile machine tool where they were talking about something that was highly flexible. Yeah. And I said, okay, that's what we're talking about, high, high flex. And in fact, I will say later that uh, we're beyond flexibility. Flexibility is like a Chinese menu where you've got 13 different things you can do. You right. have to do a fourteenth, you can't. Uh, agility is much beyond that. It's, it says uh, you set yourself up architecturally so that you can do virtually anything within a mission space. Okay, so that's that's what happened in '91. Uh, we wrote, uh, you know, we wrote two volumes uh, report for DoD. Uh, that one volume was four industrial stories, mm -hmm. a peek into the future, 20 years into the future. We said this is what the electronics industry. Uh, here's a story inside a company you know, in the electronics industry that is in fact agile. Uh, here's a story inside the process industries of a company that is in fact agile. Here's a story inside the semiconductor industry, agile. Here's a story inside the automotive industry. So, so we told future stories as if they were in the present about what it's like to, to be an agile enterprise in four different industries. Yeah. Uh, and then the, the other report was 
And okay, so if you really want to get there from here, here's uh, some number of technologies and research and things that DOD ought to fund in order to make this happen sooner mm -hmm. rather than later. Yeah. There were some other names though in the mix too, right? Beside Agile, Resilience uh, was one of them, right? If I research this right, or was it always like Agile? Was it like that was like? It was just it was just Agile back then in 1991. 91. Okay, yeah. so so once once we uh, once we got that 91 project done and and uh, full acceptance by both parties in Congress on what we had done. Back that was in the days when when sometimes they actually agreed on things. Uh, in any event, uh, the question then was: So what happens next? You know, is it just a report that gets put on the shelf? And and uh, those of us who were involved in that, some of us who were involved in that activity, said, Well, now we got to figure out how the hell to make an agile enterprise. Mm -hmm. uh, how to, how to make something agile? Uh, and I became the director of strategy. Uh, there were a number of us who just volunteered time. Uh, Lehigh University provided the, the space for us to meet in. Uh, and uh, basically I set up, I think, I forget the number, it was 11 or 13. It was 11, I think, working groups in different areas. Agile production, agile engineering, agile human resources, so on and so forth across uh, 11 different business processes. And we ended up with over a thousand people uh, who met in those working groups periodically in workshops throughout the year. And, and as director of strategy, what I encouraged all the working groups to do was to uh, travel their workshops to different organizations and attempt to witness something that exhibited concepts of agility. Mm -hmm. uh, even though people didn't use the word, uh, they hadn't set out to be Agile. Somehow, magically, something was going on that, in fact, exhibited Agile characteristics. Mm -hmm. My focus was, for the whole group, was to, okay, so we need to find out the underlying principles that make things highly adaptable, affordably. That's the question. Rapidly and affordably. Uh, so I, I basically... Uh, Spent like five years there with the agility form, uh, the, the agility, agile manufacturing form is what it was called, mm -hmm. like year one. Then we we broadened it, it was the agility form thereafter. Wow. Um, DARPA gave us, uh, well, they, they said they were going to give us $25 million, $5 million a year for five years to actually figure out how agility works. Uh, well, I think we spent that money for three years uh, and basically everybody decided we had developed the body of knowledge that was in fact necessary and had galvanized worldwide interest at that point in Agile Enterprise, started on this Agile manufacturing and then spread across the enterprise completely. Right. Uh, and, and I chronicled the ongoing uh, discovery of Agile principles in the early part of the 90s. And it's on my website. I wrote an essay that was published in, in a magazine every month for 60 months, I think. Uh, you know, and it was like real-time developing uh, discovery yeah. of what makes things Agile. And again, we didn't invent an Agile process. We said, let's go look at what exhibits Agile characteristics and ask ourselves why. Mm 
What's right. it doing? And what's common across all of them? Right. And technology also, there was in the 90s, right? So technology complexity increased, right? More diversity in right. technology, etc. So it's interesting because I myself, um, I was, uh, you know, obviously I have not heard about Agile at that time, but it was like 95, six, maybe in that neighborhood uh, where I got exposed to use cases, scenarios and iterations, right? So things started to uh, being like in small, smaller pieces, developed and we looked at scenarios and chunking work up a little bit different. We were far away from the word Agile at that point on a, on a global scale, but then you, and that's the connection here and probably listeners are also waiting for is how does this connect to 2001, right? So it was a personal connection with Jim Highsmith, if I correct, if I remember this. Well, uh, back in those days, it wasn't a personal connection, but I was, I had been publishing for many years, every awesome. month, mm -hmm. what was going on. And Highsmith and some others in the, in the manifesto group were aware of that work. And uh, the way Jim tells the story to me and to others that, that it related to me is when it came time for what do we call this thing? Mm -hmm. uh, some of the other manifesto people suggested that they call it adaptable software. And Jim said, no, you can't do that. That's the name of my book. And it'll look like, you know, it'll be too personal. We got to pick a word that none of us are associated with. He said, how about this, this agile word that's being used over there? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's only and it caught on, you know, and, and uh, he, he unnecessarily, he uh, apologizes for hijacking the word, as he, as he calls it. Uh, it actually did upset me considerably for a while that the software community uh, dominated ownership of that word mm -hmm. after we had pioneered it for 10 years in Agile Enterprise, Agile Military, you know, a number of Agile concepts. Uh, but I'm an old software guy, so I understand why all that happened and, and how it happened. Yeah, maybe the, maybe there was a, a second level of frustration there on the on the IT side, and they drove it to this. And I mean, it's interesting. I'm not ironically or whatever we're gonna call this, but over all these years after the manifesto, uh, you mentioned it already a few times here on our podcast with enterprise, right? There is a um, even though it started with software, and the word software is actually mentioned in the manifesto. Uh, we're not talking about business agility. We're not talking about how is agility in an entire enterprise. And no, the, the whole agile concept, you know, and all through the '90s, was focused on enterprise and manufacturing first, then enterprise mm -hmm. at large. Uh, and that's that was its focus. Uh, companies, many companies, became highly interested uh, in how do we be like. Uh, I did a I did a major uh, project for Hewlett Packard, uh, where their interest was how could they help other enterprises become agile enterprises. Okay. Uh, there was a lot of work done in military command and control, and in military enterprise, uh, as you know, as an agile institution, if you will, or or as an institution that needed to be more yeah. agile than it was. Yeah. Instead of just command and control. Yeah. Uh, so it, it really started in the enterprise space. Uh, it got interesting the way I described today why software ran away with it was because uh, the programming cadre, uh, people who actually are dyed-in-the-wool programmers for a living, 
were having extreme difficulty in satisfying their employers, uh, partially because the employers had boxed them in in such a way that it was difficult to actually come away with a satisfactory to management, satisfactory outcome. Uh, and so it was the grassroots. You know, Agile software grew up from the bottom. Right. It was programmers who did it. That's right. Without without permission from management. Yeah. <laughs> management came along uh, reluctantly for a number of years, and and finally, uh, I mean, it's old news now. I mean, Agile has spread very well. Yeah, you know, with full management support. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the systems world, you know, I mean, software is a system, but uh, in the systems world, we're, we're talking about systems of any kind, aircraft, ships, uh, internets, yeah. electric grids. Uh, in the systems world, there is a much more formal uh, activity about how things get built. Uh, safety is a major concern. Security is a major concern when you're talking about big systems, complexity is a major issue in big systems. And especially when you get into the space of systems of systems, Uh, like the healthcare system is a system of systems. Uh, That's just one of many examples. Uh, In those environments, the, uh, the realization, the development of a system is very much top down controlled. Whereas in the software environment, it's very much bottom-up controlled mm-hmm. from the, from in terms of the application and realization of, of technical development. Uh, and so agile systems engineering has had uh, a, a very different path for acceptance. It didn't get adopted at the grassroots. It's being instead adopted at the top levels, uh, which in many respects is not as good from from a uh, an acceptance point of view because it's the people down at the lowest levels that actually do the work mm-hmm. that need to embrace the concepts uh, rather than the people at the top. Right, yeah. <laughs> uh, so what's been going on here in the last five years is all of a sudden a very major interest in what makes agile, what makes systems engineering agile or how can systems engineering be agile because in uh, in an historical sense systems engineering was uh, more or less taken over by the defense departments of the world uh, 40 years ago uh, 30, 30 40 years ago when they said, okay, we're, we're attempting to acquire systems uh, that, are, that are more and more expensive, more and more complex. We need uh, some kind of an engineering process. And that's exactly what uh, has come out of the systems engineering world is a process mm-hmm. as opposed to a discipline and an architecture. I listened to your, your propendic, uh Agile FM broadcast from last year, I think. Uh, and I really appreciate Mary's view. I uh, have always appreciated Mary's view, but especially some of the words that she used 
and and Tom also, where they said uh, what we're seeing today in in scaled agile attempts in the software world is an attempt to solve an architectural problem with a process. So true. Yeah. I mean, safe is a process. Scrum is a process. XP is a process. Uh, and the issue really is an architectural issue. How are things connected together mm -hmm. in such a way that uh, all of the individual elements can do the best thing they can without disrupting the rest of the, <laughs> the rest of the elements that are going on? Right? Yeah. It's a software concept. It's called encapsulation. <laughs> that's true yeah so you are like if we are going a little bit from from the past and like those 1990s we're going to go a little bit to the uh to the current time you're your researcher you were the stevens institute of technology you're like you you do a lot of research and right now you're dedicating your time please correct me if i'm wrong to a lot of agile systems engineering the what, the uh I teach at Stevens Institute of Technology like one or two courses a year on average. Yeah. But my research is, is independent. I do it. Uh, I, and I am associated very heavily with a group called the International Council on Systems Engineering. It's a worldwide organization. I run the working group for Agile Systems and Systems Engineering. Mm -hmm. And I run the working group for uh, System Security Engineering. Uh, they may seem different, but they aren't. My interest in security is, has always been agile security. Mm -hmm. And we're actually starting to make some headway in agile security concepts recently. But mm -hmm. anyway, my research uh, is mostly independently funded. Mm -hmm. uh, it has nothing to do with Stevens. Stevens is an outlet for teaching. Yeah. Um... What do, what do listeners need to uh, picture, visualize if they hear like agile systems engineering? What kind of research goes into that into that bucket? Because there's this word engineering in it, right? And so we can talk about agile systems, but what is being engineered? And I understand there is some form of discovery phase and you're trying to, to analyze these systems, but uh, why don't you give the listeners a little bit of context what that entails? Okay, so uh, what have I done? I just put something up on screen I didn't want here. Let me get rid of this for a moment. Okay, so uh, in the 90s, uh, when we did our original work, the concept, the, the question of interest there was what makes things agile? And uh, my approach to answering that question was one of discovery, not invention. Safe for instance, is an invention. Scrum is an invention. Uh, the discovery process says, let's go look at things that exhibit the characteristics we're interested in, and then ask ourselves, what are they all doing common from a pattern point of view that gives them the ability to exhibit those characteristics? So it's a, it's a discovery process. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, as I tell the story, often I said Darwin didn't go out there with a good idea and force it onto nature. He went out there and looked at nature and asked, how do you do that? Yeah. <laughs> uh, so uh, we did that in the 90s and came up with, with, a, with an architecture, and I claim, and no one's ever disclaimed this, that it is a necessary uh, and sufficient architecture for any system that will be agile. And if it doesn't have that architecture, it will not be agile. I don't care what you call it. Mm -hmm. uh, 
and it will be agile. And I don't care what you call it. It doesn't have to have the word agile. You know, I mean, some of the best agile systems uh, approaches out there don't use the word. Product line engineering, for instance, is an agile systems engineering architecture and approach. Um, there are things called wave models that are highly agile. I mean, there's there's some, you know, the agile word uh, is is separate from the agile characteristics. Uh, people say, how do you define agile systems engineering? Uh, and and what I say is, you you define agile systems engineering by the behavior it exhibits. Agile systems engineering is able to thrive uh, and survive in an environment that is capricious, uncertain, risky, variable, evolving. C U R V E curve in a curved environment. Okay. Uh, and if and if you're operating in an environment that doesn't have those characteristics, you don't need an agile approach. In fact, you don't want an agile approach. You mm -hmm. can do a planned approach, a wave model, you know, a, a waterfall approach, a planned mm -hmm. approach. But if, well, we don't find too many environments these days that aren't highly uncertain and unpredictable. And that's when you need to learn your way to success. That's when you need an agile approach. Okay, so the, the definition of agile systems engineering is defined by what it does, not how it does. There's lots of ways to exhibit agile characteristics. Uh, lots of processes yeah. you can use. Could this be an organization, so an agile system, an organization? Just to build the link to, to enterprises, what would be a definition of, um, of this? What, what is the system? Like, what is the boundaries here? Well, you know, when, when, you, when we use the term agile enterprise, uh, it depends on whether enterprise is being used as a noun or a verb. Mm. Uh, as a noun, we're talking about the organization. Uh, as a verb, we're talking about the activities, mm. you know, uh, endeavors, whether they're in an organization or not. Uh, a team is engaged in an enterprise activity. Uh, so the, the boundary uh, of the Agile enterprise, uh, when we're talking about the organization, the now use of that, uh, is the organization itself. Uh, and the organization, like any system, exists within an environment uh, with a boundary around it, and then there's all that stuff outside of it. And it has a constant interface. You know, as I tell the system engineering community, when you go build a new system and plop it out there in the environment, you need to understand that there wasn't an empty space waiting for it. All the territory was already claimed. You're mm -hmm. disrupting the status quo at this point. You better be prepared to cope with that disruption, this disruption that you're going to cause. Uh, new companies uh, crop up. Uh, I mean, there was a pre-Google era, yeah. pre-Microsoft era. Uh, when, when they uh, gestated and, and grew uh, fairly rapidly in, in both cases uh, and in many such instances, mm -hmm. uh, you know, they displaced a lot of what was going on. You know, I, mean, one of the, I mean, the classic example is Amazon. Right. Amazon displaced so much things that were already in the environment. And yes, there's, there's pushback. Uh, you know, the, the bookstores don't go silently crying to death uh, they attempt to lobby, to get legislation, to mm -hmm. get uh, local laws, 
to protect their their concepts. Uh, nothing dies easily and quietly. Yeah, it's interesting that you that you say that about Amazon, right? Because um, I think in one of your papers, some of those. I mean, you, you have such so many of them, but I looked at one, and uh, I came across like a comparison and that it's obviously it links us a little bit to the 1990s for some of the listeners out there hard to believe what we're talking about right now but e-commerce right like that was one yeah. of, was one of the things right uh when like amazon popped up and says we're gonna sell books it started as a bookstore right but it really revolutionized the way of of e-commerce right so and what was interesting about that was your your analysis on on the situation like this is not just um great kicking the business and taking it online the, the business is going to change, right? So the, the ability of an enterprise to adapt to that there's a totally different way of, of distribution, right? So yeah. it was an interesting, very interesting point you made. One of the uh, biggest concerns we had back there in the very early days uh, in our organizational workshop where we had 13 organizations all trying to figure out what do they have in common relative to the future of competitive activity. Uh, many of them expressed the understanding that their culture was insufficient for the times. Uh, and they knew that, or that I, I should say that many people in management understood that they were being held back by their culture. And nobody had a handle on how do you turn this ship around? How do you change a culture that's so entrenched? And it's not like it's not like management collectively comes to the understanding that we have the wrong kind of culture. We have to sit down and figure out what it ought to be, uh, because management is part of that culture and part of the problem. I mean, who gets to be in management? Well, they're probably over forty. Uh, a lot of them are going to be over fifty. Many of them are, <laughs> in fact, yeah. over sixty, and they don't want to learn something new. <laughs> They spent a whole life learning how to get where they are and killing a lot of people along the, along the process, hard earned, and they don't intend to give it up and have to learn something new and compete all over again with the youngsters. So you get cultural inertia that's uh, very strong and, and very deleterious toward any attempts at transformation in an organization. Uh, why do organizations change? Well, there for a long time. <coughs> what I always said was, well, they don't until they have a near-death experience. Mm. Because they're not going to let loose of all the things that they've spent so many years learning how to do yeah. effectively uh, until it is quite evident that if they don't stop doing that, they're going to die. Yeah. Uh, Okay, so that was that was very true ten years ago. I'm inclined to say, though not full-heartedly, that there is a better understanding for the need to have a constantly evolving organization and culture today. I mean, I know there is a better understanding today than there was ten years ago, uh, and I know that many organizations are interested in the transformation concept. But I also know from firsthand experience in watching it happen that uh, they really don't know how to do it. Mm -hmm. uh, they really don't want to do it. 
And okay, so they haven't had a near-death experience at the organizational level, but they have had uh, very evident feedback that their competitive posture is not as good as it used to be because someone else, some other organization that's a little bit younger has got some better concepts. Wow, look at Tesla yeah. and Elon Musk. Now it's not just Tesla, it's a boring company. It's, it's the cars, it's the batteries, it's the SpaceX. Yeah. And, and uh, where did he come from? He came from software, he came from an agile background in software, an agile understanding, understanding. not a scrum understanding. Don't yeah. mistake the difference. <laughs> uh, and you know what I love about Elon Musk is his management style. He puts out a one sentence vision mm. and then he turns his back and walks away. Yeah. Well, I don't really mean that. That's not, that's not quite true, but he runs his organization with a vision. Here's what we're all about. We're going to get to Mars. Okay. Uh, and he lets his engineers figure out how the hell to do that mm. instead of trying to tell them. Okay, I mean, you can, you can read a bunch of interesting things in the early days of SpaceX where he actually had to be chief engineer because he couldn't find one he thought was good enough. Yeah. Uh, he taught himself astrophysics yeah. in the course of that. Uh, that's, anyway. a, that's a strength to then realize that and step out again again, right? So others might stay in their audience. It's like I, I grip. So that's a strength to then realize it's like maybe that is not something I should be keep doing. I filled in for a while, but... So it's it's pretty uh, it's yeah. a long leadership skill, right? Mm -hmm. Exactly. The uh, again, I'm I'm reminded because I just did this a couple of days ago. Popendik's uh, uh, discourse on 3M. Uh, yeah. I guess she spent a fair amount of her life at 3M. Uh, has a good understanding of its culture, and as as I as I have taught uh, in my course for 20 years. Uh, I often do comparisons of organizations. Uh, one of them is uh, how agile do you think Microsoft is uh, how, versus how agile do you think Intel is or you know, so on and so forth. Yeah. Uh, and and uh, you know, often I've got uh, answers that are different than what people expect. Mm -hmm. uh, Intel, how agile, uh, no, let me deal with Microsoft. Microsoft, back in the Bill Gates days, I mean, what, what really struck me uh, as a very interesting observation was that when, you know, when Microsoft started out, it, owned, it, it went on the desktop, owned the desktop. Yeah. Uh, there was no internet. All of a sudden, in the blink of an eye, the internet became a major force. And what Bill Gates did was he turned around Microsoft within 12 short months. Yeah. culturally from thinking about the desktop world to the internet world. Now, is that an agile organization? This, uh, I would say from a responsiveness perspective, definitely, yeah. Well, uh, from, from a responsiveness perspective, yes, but not from an entrenched perspective is my argument. Mm -hmm. I said, Bill Gates was able to do that because he had absolute authority over everyone's mind in that company. When Bill Gates sneezed, everybody said, <laughs> <"Guzot died." laughs> uh, Contrast that with 3M. Do you know the name of 3M's president? 
I do not. <laughs> Very few people do. Everybody <laughs> knew the name of the Microsoft president. Right? Uh, 3M exhibits much broader based agility without having that stem from an authoritative, an authoritative dictatorship. So there, you know, there are, you have to be careful when you say, does it exhibit the characteristics of agility, what it is you're looking for to see exhibited. If all you're looking for is, can they turn on a dime? You, that's not enough. You need to ask, how do they do that? <laughs> and can they survive the death of Bill Gates? <laughs> or the departure of Bill Gates? Wow, yeah. Interesting, yeah. I, I do know that, uh, and it's more like on a joke kind of uh, aside, I do know that 3M loves Agile because we're using so many post-it notes. So uh, <laughs> we love post-it notes and they love Agile because, you know, we love post-it notes. So, but um, that, that's a total joke here on the, on the side. What's interesting though on your book though, on your um, uh, response uh, ability, you actually mentioned the word culture already on it, right? So there was a, that's the thing that oh, I, yeah. I do think that a culture was a topic that emerged more in recent years, as you just mentioned, right? So that's more like a, a more later trend in the industry as a, as a whole, software and non-software. Uh, but I do think it is an important piece. And I think uh, like just by looking forward now for the upcoming years, uh, that, might be, that might be one of the topics we're probably focusing on more uh, rather than less. The, the, uh, the disappointment I have and the problem the community has is that it wants to be agile and it means that in uh, how Webster would define the word as opposed to how the software people would define the word. Uh, organizations want to be agile mm -hmm. and the only path they, well, for, for many, the only path they see is being handed to them by the software people that says, well, here's how you do it. And that's so wrong. Yeah. Because agility in software takes advantage very effectively of the nature of software development and the nature of software systems, which is not the nature of all other kinds of systems. Right, yeah. uh, I'll say, you know, I, I deal in a space called knowledge development with working groups. And, and I'll say that knowledge development is very similar to to software development in terms of the kinds of ways you can make those two systems uh, agile. But I also deal in, in uh, hardware systems and hardware software mix systems mm -hmm. uh, and hardware peopleware, software, firmware systems. And those are all very different. When you start working in mixed discipline environments, you can't take uh, two week iterations and spread them around into the other areas as easily as you can in the software environment. Now, okay, so then there's the people on the side of say, yeah, well, when 3D printing comes, we can do that. No, you still got other problems. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, the, the advantage that the software world has uh, is that the person who designs the system is also the same person who fabricates the system. A programmer designs and builds the system. He doesn't or she doesn't have to hand a document <laughs> from the design side of the brain to the build side of the brain and says, this is what I want you to build. 
it's the same brain. Uh, when you start dealing in, in plastic componentry, in metal componentry, uh, even in electronic circuit boards, uh, you need documentation and you need uh, very effective documentation, not wave your arms in the air documentation. You need precise right. documentation so that the way the designer wants something to be done is understood sufficiently by the builder who has to build it. Mm -hmm. Uh, I mean, there's, uh, there's, you know, there's many items uh, in the list of why you can't just transfer uh, the concepts of agile software development into agile hardware development. Yeah. And it's a cost factor too, right? Some of the material being used in hardware is very expensive. So oh, absolutely. And, and there's lead time. I mean, lead time is a major issue. Mm -hmm. uh, how long does it take to get that part? Well, you're not going to get it in two weeks. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, we're, we're facing that in, in some of the, the work we've done, my, you know, myself included, that's a, that's a common thing, lead time products exchange, like just the size of, of the material being used and the, and the cost factor too. So there are lots of lots of differences here. Now to be- one of, the biggest, one of the biggest issues for enterprises that want to become, I mean, I just dealt with Northrop Grumman Corporation, uh, where they at the highest levels say we need to be uh, much more agile than we are. Agileness is uh, a goal and an objective of the corporation at the highest level. Uh, you guys need to figure out how to do that. Okay, well, you guys, a lot of guys in a lot of places, all with different problems. But one problem that surfaced from a number of the organizations that got together in a workshop I ran was uh, purchasing. Uh, you know, and again, they're, they're working in the hardware software space where hardware stuff mm. has to be purchased, you know, whether it's ICs, mm. uh, resistors, uh, circuit boards, whatever. Uh, and the purchasing department is unable to uh, satisfy the quick turnaround times that people who are trying to build prototype and do experimental work, mm. uh, rapidly iterating toward uh, design and exit works. They can't handle it. Uh, They've got some small, some small uh, skunkworks types approaches that can alleviate some of that problem. They're moving toward 3D printing for electronic circuit boards, for instance. Mm -hmm. uh, but you know, there's a difference between the 3D printers that can build you prototype boards and the ones that can build you manufacturing boards yeah. at high volume. So, yeah. Yeah, that's definitely, that's definitely a different aspect. And, and thanks for pointing that out because that is, I think that's also important because sometimes uh, we had uh, actually just recently, we had somebody here on Agile FM who talked about hardware and race cars and other hardware related kind of podcast episodes. And I think this is important to point out there are significant differences, but uh, there, is a, there is a path to agility for, for these organizations, but it might be a very different one, man, uh, than yeah. the software development side. Now, um, Rick, to the to the uh, end of our conversation here, and uh, I'm I just want to ask you, like, you know, considering the the decade of time you had worked with in the '90s before the manifesto, we had done two decades after the manifesto. Um, obviously, you have seen the manifesto, the Agile manifesto on the on the website. Um, I feel like in the beginning of the Agile manifesto, you could actually electronically sign the manifesto. I'm not sure if you can still do that, but would you sign the manifesto? Just curious. Um, um, if you, yeah. No, no. Well, let me, 
I don't have a clear black and white answer on this. The, the, uh, the manifesto bothers me in that too many people think it applies to everything. It applies very well in the software world. Uh, but it's not exportable broadly across the board. It's not sufficient. It has some very good ideas, some very good ideas. And it really addressed the core needs uh, in the software world back when it was made. Mm -hmm. uh, is it sufficient today? Well, it depends on what you mean by sufficient and sufficient for what. I mean, there are still organizations wrestling with should we do actual software development? Right. And yes, they, they need, you know, the manifesto will help them understand how they can reap some rewards. Uh, but I've had, I've had people in my working group think, okay, all we have to do is change the word software to system. Uh, we can use the same manifesto mm -hmm. and it will apply in the systems engineering. It doesn't work that way. Mm -hmm. uh, so the, the manifesto served an excellent purpose. The people behind the manifesto know so much more about what those words mean than the people who go take a course and become a scrum master do. Yeah. Uh, the, you know, the many people from those days in that group have taken issue with how uh, agile software concepts have been perverted mm. and aren't about agility as was originally intended. Uh, now you have mixed, you have mixed reactions on that. I mean, there are some people making lots of money uh, on the old ways of agile software development. They yeah. like it that way, I'm sure. Uh, there are some people who are more purist in terms of recognizing uh, the concept of agility as being something very, as an adjective, as being something very different from the noun agile. Yes, we do agile. What do you mean we do agile? Yeah. Well, okay. Webster says uh, the dictionary does not define words. What it does is it reflects how the public uses it. And for all my being upset over the years for agile being used as a noun, I can't ignore it anymore. It's in the vocabulary, um, unfortunately. Yeah. Same problem with the word cyber. Yeah. People use the word cyber when what they're really saying is cybersecurity, but they drop the word security and they equate cyber with security, which is another major error. Yeah. From a from an uh, you know from a looking at the word agile and what it has done to to the community of of you know people like scrum masters, agile coaches, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, and it did it, it give a lot of uh, uh definition and gave a lot of exploration because you know it's hard to disagree with somebody says i want to be more agile sure everybody does i think very agreeable word right um but um there is there's this definition behind it and i want to thank you for putting that word out and thankful for that you had that book in your hand when you drove from uh, pennsylvania to dc and you came up with that word i think it's a good word for 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 the community and of course there is you know um it made it in. It made it into the vocabulary of many, many, or millions of people around the world that are using this term today. And I want to thank you for that. I want to thank you for your time. 
Um, and uh, I want to thank you for, you know, spending the time here with the, with the listeners and define your work you've done and the work you're currently working on and possibly impacting the future. Thank you so much. Okay, thank you. I enjoyed it. Thank you for listening to Agile FM, the radio for the Agile community. I'm your host, Joe Krebs. If you're interested in more programming and additional podcasts, please go to www.agile.fm. Talk to you soon.